0: I'd say we would, uh, we, we would edit this, but we're on Facebook Live, so welcome to the, uh, to the live broadcast of uh, Integrity Squares, Halo Talks, NYC. I have the pleasure of being here with my friend who I've only known for a short 19 years, Sal Venuto from Long Island and Macrolease, and Ashley Markowski. Who we've uh, become fast friends over some sushi a couple blocks away, and now is our go-to financing source. Absolutely, nice to see uh, you again. Chris. Nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Um, so we uh, we we started back in the fitness industry, and uh, I was in it was 1999 when I got involved. Right. Um and and things have grown and changed and. There's a lot more going on in the sector, and uh, we're bringing in bright people like Ashley to help uh, grow the grow the business and the industry. Um, so, what I wanted to talk about today is one for you to both give us a little background on macro lease, and maybe um, you know have people understand that you know a, a leasing and equipment business and a finance company is not what it used to be. Sure, sure. And you really, you know, a value added partner. And your success is really based on the success of entrepreneurs and operators. So, why don't you both give your backgrounds, and then I'll I'll fire away questions, and uh, I might throw some zingers in, because I'm live on Facebook. Not all right. Oh Absolutely. Yeah, fire
1: No pressure.
2: Fired up. Um, well, MacRelease has been around since uh, 1969, believe it or not. I've been there since uh, 1992. Uh, I financed a lot of uh, other equipment, other than fitness equipment, until 2000, a lot of heavy industry equipment, things of that nature. In 2000, I started financing fitness equipment, and it's been a, um, a revelation. It's been a dynamite industry uh, to be involved in. Uh, when I first got involved in it, it was a lot of meatheads and uh, um, you know not too many uh, high net worth individuals, people mm-hmm. just uh, lifting weights and, and running fitness clubs um, on an uh, entrepreneurial basis, but not very sophisticated. As the years have progressed, that business has changed tremendously. And we see a lot of uh, sharp, sharp Numbers of people out of private equity in, in the market, uh, the EFTs and the uh, recurring income has really turned people on, and it's changed the industry um, tremendously. And so it's been a it's been a dynamite industry to be involved with. Uh, it continues to grow, continues to change. Uh, a lot of franchises uh, have been um, have been, uh, have propagated and and really taken over the industry in terms of on the commercial side. And um, but it's been a um, it's been great working with a lot of repeat customers over the years and uh, helping entrepreneurs. We work with mostly companies anywhere from a startup company to a company that's doing about 50 million in sales. That's really our, uh, our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, uh, you know, we do uh, the best job of consulting people and uh, working closely with them, answering questions and helping them open store number two, three, five, ten until they move on to the next stage in financing. Gotcha. Um,
0: and yeah. and Ashley, how'd you get involved in this industry? And as you know, which I might have told you or not, but once you get in, you never get out. So you will be a lifelong fitness industry, halo participant and executive. So awesome. welcome to the industry for better or worse. You're here and you Thank are here you. to stay. You Thank you. So yeah. how'd you get here?
1: You know, kind of by chance. Um, I graduated college with a marketing degree um, and a minor in finance and uh, I interviewed at, you know, several uh, companies and, um, you know, I started at Mac release really straight out of college and uh, I've been there five years now. Um, So, you know, when I uh, started at Mac release, um, it was still uh, predominantly in the industry, you know, big box gyms, it was still, you know, high volume, low price point and uh, boutique was really just starting to uh, make a roar. And, um, you know, there were some concepts that um, I I found to be really, you know, interesting. And uh, I, I kind of, you know, maybe it was my age, but I really saw, you know, technology um, being a big part of, you know, this, uh, this industry. And, um, you know, so over the last couple of years, it's been, you know, amazing to see now the um, the boutique concepts really, you know, not just be a trend, but be here to stay, um, you know, and, and technology be part of that. So uh, I've been able to grow and and, you know, watch the industry Grow as well. It's it's been really uh, amazing.
0: That's great. So, uh, just to start off, you know, I I would say that the equipment financing of of a new club used to be one of the last things that you do as as a club operator when you're looking at a new location. I'm looking at my lease rate. I'm looking at my build out. I get my architect. I do the permitting, so on and so forth. And then at the end, I say, okay, I'm going to go and get my equipment financing package in place and I've got my equity set up. Maybe you know that you can get it, but that's kind of usually the sequence. Right. And over the last several years, I think that's changed where, you know, people probably call you first now and say, Hey, I'm going to do this. And you know, what can you do for me? Not just on the equipment side and, and on the build out, but you know, also like, what do you think, Sal, what do you think Ashley? Absolutely. So maybe talk about like the, the evolution of, Like we were originally like you're doing a transaction back in 1992, and I'm just trying to get equipment out, and I'm trying to get a a payment, and now you've got- A relationship relationship based business and it's not transactional, but it's basically if you're successful, you are going to build at least several more locations. So I need to make sure that you're successful, and I'm not going to look at what you know whether you can make it or not. Like you're you're invested in this, not just you know you know like it used to be, I guess. So talk about how that's evolved over time, how the industry has kind of changed their perception of like who you are and what you are, and not you're not my lender. Anymore, but sure. like you're, you're my friend, you're my consultant, you're my advisor. So kind of, you will know, fill in the blanks on that because we're on Facebook live.
1: We're Excellent. on Facebook Live, and fired I think i to be the one that
0: you can see. But yeah. that's okay. That's all right. They <laughs> got right. a good that's shot there. You do that's some lip sync for us. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, so
2: talk talk about how that's changed to the better. Sure, sure. I mean, years ago, definitely people would come to us at the last minute to finance equipment just before it was uh, being delivered, and so we could uh, interact with the vendors. Now it's totally different. I mean, he, people call uh, Ashley and I early on in the process, even uh, before they they signed a franchise agreement many times. And also in the past, people were interested in maybe. Be opening up one facility and then see how it goes. Now people are buying um area development agreements and they're gonna open up five, seven to hopefully sell those and, and move on. So they're we're they're consulting us early on. Uh we're trying to understand what the full project is because also we don't only finance equipment, we finance the full project, the uh, equipment, hard equipment, soft equipment, and tenant improvements. Um, so they're coming to us early on. We're, we we want to understand who they are, what their background is, Uh, what kind kind of equity they have, what kind of liquidity they have, just to paint the picture in our mind on what we could do for them. And the more information that we have up front, the better we can consult them appropriately. Because, you know, sometimes we may not be the answer for them, or we we may be one of the answers for them, and we're going to tell them what we can do after we understand their full, um, their, full picture, their full scope. And then we'll tell them what we can do, we'll advise them, And give them options. And so the more information we have, the more we can uh, consult the client correctly. And also, we are totally into long-term relationships. We don't want to just do one deal. If someone's going to open up five or seven facilities, we want to be there for all of them. And we want to help them and develop a long-term relationship. And, you know, we've been uh, successful in doing that. And that's probably one of the best things we love about our business is the relationships, is the people. Because we're into lending money, but we want to help people grow And it helps people succeed.
0: Yeah. So, Ashley, what's been your experience over the last five years and coming into the industry with the level of excitement and actually being in a market where there's, you know, explosive growth and, you know, you don't necessarily have to – you know, elbow people around to try and get business. I mean, it's there to get, yeah. and it's about you know saying, okay, look, it's not just the terms of this deal, but also here's what else Mac release and and you personally bring to the table, and Sal brings to the table. So talk about how that.
1: I, I would say, um, you know, we've had <clears throat> most of our um, success in developing relationships with franchises because um, you know when there's a really uh, well established franchise, there's a lot of room for growth, and you know, when you can have a, a really strong rapport with the franchisor and they trust you as a lender, they really open up the floodgates for you to develop relationships with, you know, their, their franchise base and their network. And, um, you know, I've had, uh, people at this point come to me who trust me, know, that, you know, we can deliver and, and, um, you know, they'll, they'll ask me, they'll say, Hey, you know, what's out there in the market? You know, do you see anything that, you know, another concept or, you know, what, what, what does it look like? And, you know, and they respect my opinion and- And, you know, before they invest millions of dollars into a, into an industry, they, they want to know the, um, you know, the financial, uh, opinion on that and, um, you know, it's like Sal said, you know, sometimes we, you know, we get folks that are, uh, it's before they've even signed their franchise agreements. And, um, you know, that, that really speaks volume because our clients are putting their trust in us to a level um, to, to really hear, you know, do we feel that this brand or this concept, is it going to be something that can really take off and sustain? Um, And so, you know, that's been a really, you know, that's been, it's been a compliment kind of having that, you know, trust.
0: That's great. So when you see, uh, you know, without naming names, but you see a franchise or that, that that you've got a little respect for, you know, maybe they've got either private equity capital. Or they've got a really strong management team and they've got a real infrastructure. You know, typically equipment finance businesses are saying, look, I'll cover the equipment, but you kind of cover everything else. So what kind of happened or transformed over the last several years where you've gotten to the point where you're comfortable, you know, funding additional FF&E and, and, you know, build outs internally and the, and the soft products. Is it because you've seen a validation of a business model? If you've seen a validation of a of the franchisee, you know, t- talk about, because it's not typical what you're doing. So I think people need to understand that usually go and get, when well, in other industries get 80 cents on a dollar of like what that equipment costs and you got to cover the rest and I got to check your Financial statement, and I got to look at your business. And maybe it's easier when you see the business models that are out there that are doing well. And if they get a good location and the franchise or approves it, that's kind of a stamp of approval to an extent. You know, if unless you go to one of these groups that, stamps everything, right. you know, which is a problem. Okay. Um, but talk, talk about like how you got people internally to say, look, we, we should actually extend more credit. We can be more competitive. We can help more people and we get more locations open. I'm actually not taking, I'm not really taking equity risk because this model performs. So just to kind of talk about yeah. that. No,
2: it's a it's a, it's a great question. Thank uh, you. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I, I see, I see that. Um, you know, years ago, you're right, we, we used to lend, you know, 70, 80 cents on the dollar on just equipment. And, uh, and that was compounded after the financial uh, crisis as well. Things really locked up after then, after that point. Then we started lending to some some groups, uh, 80%, 80%, 100% on the equipment. And I guess two things really happened that forced us to now, we lend 200% on the equipment because we're not lending only on the equipment. We're doing project financing, hard, soft equipment and tenant improvement financing. The first thing that happened, I would say, is competition. Competition forced us to do it. And it's not only equipment finance companies, because equipment finance companies traditionally would only lend on equipment. There was different types of lenders that came in, cash flow lenders, that looked at the cash flow uh, of the entity, regardless of the equipment, they would lend on cash flow. And so, therefore, we had to adjust a little bit because of the competition, no doubt about it. But the other point you you hit upon was the the, uh, validation of the enterprises and the type of companies we lend to. They were making money left and right, big-time mm-hmm. cash flow, and they produced, and they were able, you know, we we stretched a little bit and gave 100%, 125%, and before you know it, we gave 200% because the cash flow was there, mm-hmm. and the validation was there as the years progressed, and we feel real comfortable with the model. Also, the fact that uh, a lot of our financing is franchise financing, and they have two, three, eight, ten 10 of these locations, and they're valued based on the EBITDA... And on a multiple of EBITDA so what we've convinced our credit people to a certain degree is you're not lending on the equipment you th- this facility is worth five million dollars because of the EBITDA and the multiple of it and wow. and we've seen um, stores sell for this dollar amount so therefore your 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 position our position is stronger than just equipment True. so I'd say those two things really you know made that happen for us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, he took all my answers. Ah, so thanks. That's okay. you have a list um, of so, you know, I, I think uh, market value, enterprise value of a concept, exactly what Sal said, you know, when you see these brands, you know, selling at some brands selling it uh, ridiculous multiples of EBITDA. I mean, it's um, from a, a credit perspective, you know, you could say, okay, there's a, there's a market value on this concept. And, um, you know, a, a concept really is only as strong as its market ba- value, um, you know, uh, present day, right. Cause there are concepts that, I mean, it can change at the blink of an eye, but, um, we've, you know, based on the growth, um, and the success and the financial statements that we've seen, like Sal said, we were really forced by our, our competition to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to finance more than just equipment and, uh, and we're going to lend against, um, you know, your, your EBITDA because it, tomorrow you could go out and you could sell your company and get you know, three times the amount that you know right. we're lending on. Yeah,
0: so you really, your your coverage ratio went from you know eighty eighty cents on the dollar of of hard equipment to basically you know if it was a if it was two million dollars of equipment, just for the, the quick math for our people here. And this company had let's say a million of EBITDA. That, that's probably worth five million. So you're really loaning it like forty cents on the dollar Correct. of of a loan to value. value. And I
1: think with some concepts, like we stopped looking at it, like we're going to go actually go in and, and rip out this equipment and try to resell it. And we focused more on the brand recognition and the fact that that is, it's an intangible asset. It's not something that you can touch. And although we are an asset based lender for the most part, you know, having that brand recognition is something that to us is more significant than taking a treadmill and trying to resell it for, you know, a certain amount.
0: Sure. Well, one of the things that, that, and maybe this isn't necessarily for the, um, for the operators side of it, but if we flip over on our, our Facebook live to investors or, or groups that are are looking at the industry and saying, okay, how sustainable is the industry default rate on asset lending in this sector Except for like Bally Fitness as an example, everyone else like they find a way. Even if they're in trouble or they're maybe you know going through a shift in their EFT or new competitor comes, like you never. I haven't seen like an eighteen wheeler back up and like pick up like a hundred pieces of equipment (laughs) yet. So how how good do you feel about like you know there's companies that come out and say like, look, I'm going to finance the MRI at the hospital because they're definitely going to pay because no one's taking that MRI back, right? Right. It's mission critical. So, you know, how have you been able to convince internally and also like showing the data of like, Hey, the default rates on this are like, I don't know, no, 0.2%, right, Where it should really be like 4 or 5%, you know, you know it, because it is like the MRI machine. 100, 100 treadmills are equal to an MRI machine. Like right. They can't <laughs> get them out and say like, hey, we're refurbing all of our equipment today no right. until we pay and they back the And if they're branded, forget it. There.
1: If they're branded, that's, right, that right, goes right. down even more. Right, right,
0: right. <laughs> well, I would say, I mean, first of all, um, the
2: pay, payment history has spoken for itself. Uh, our, our payment history in the last 10, 15 years has been phenomenal. As Especially after the 08 crisis, has been phenomenal. So that that speaks volumes. And um, again, we're lending mostly to to franchises, and these franchises continue to perform. And so those are the two main things. And also our underwriting. I mean, you know, we do we do our due diligence. We we underwrite. And we do transactions that make sense. We'll take more of a risk than we did in the past because of the payment history of the franchisees and the franchise and the fact that we've had, you know, little to no losses uh, as, as much of the industry has done. Um, so that's that 's what 's allowed us to spread our wings and really feel comfortable and, and continue lending and In terms of the entrepreneurs coming into the business, um, I mean they they could see that uh, fitness continues to to grow I mean more and more people. Um, you know, people at Ashley's age, everyone, everyone, uh, Ashley's age is part of a gym. You know, people my age, maybe, maybe 25, 30%, but I'd say Ashley's age, you know, 40, 50, 80% of people are part of a gym. So it's, it's not only uh, people go, go and work out, but it's, it's a, uh, it's It's a a social thing. It's it's a social thing. Mm -hmm. It's a mental thing. People feel great when they work out. Mm -hmm. It's a social thing, like Ashley says, and it's really ingrained in our society and it continues to change in the United States. A lot of boutique firms keep, keep uh, joining and, And and people
0: are spending more and more of their disposable income on fitness. Sure. So how do you, when, when, as you go through your, you know, underwriting process, you know, how do you look at a location where, you know, there's already a lot of competition? You know, let's say, let's take like Paramus, New Jersey, as an example, within that corridor, you probably got eight health clubs, you know, from the Gold's Gym with Mike Epstein to, you know, the Crunch and the, the, I think it's a World Gym there. And so as you look at that, are you also doing, are you also ha- taking a view of like how competitive is this area or, you know, is that how, how important is that? Cause the market will continue to grow, but at some point, like maybe this little hub is a little too much for us to, to, to handle.
1: Yeah. I mean, we do, we, we look at, uh, you know, of course, demographics, we look at competition, we look at all of that. Um, but you know, kind of like Sal said, there really is so much, um, more growth in this industry that, um, you know, what we do try to look at is, um, if, if you, you know, especially with like the boutique concepts, if there's a, um, you know, a spinning, boutique that's opening, they're not going to compete with like a yoga studio because they're offering a different product. And, you know, I personally might want spinning, but my neighbor might want yoga. And so I do feel like um, we, we take that into consideration. Um, so, you know, we, we really um, are pretty flexible with that because we're knowledgeable in the industry and, and realize that, uh, you know, there, there's so much uh, potential of, you know, for the growth.
2: Yeah. Also, when when you're dealing with the right operator, um, the right operator does their th- does their homework. They're not sure. investing a million, two million dollars, or three million dollars into a facility and signing a long term lease and putting their name on the on the dotted line when they know that there's a uh, a risk that's too high. I mean, these guys are. St- and gals are smart out there. They're doing their homework. Mm -hmm. And that's the people we're uh, aligned with because we do our homework as well. We want to work with the people who are going to succeed. And, you know, um, we do our homework to make sure that, they, that they've done their homework. Right, right. And so, you know, if something doesn't make sense, we ask a lot of questions. <laughs> we ask a lot of questions and we want some good answers. And if we're not going to get the right answers and we're not going to get a comfortable feeling, we're not going to do that deal. But nine out of 10 times, we get the right answers and and we do the transactions because- you know, the people we're aligned with are are sharp folks. And they're they're capitalized, you
1: know. So if there is a hiccup or something where another concept maybe, you know, uh, opens up down the block, they'll have enough capital to sustain, um, you know, maybe a a bumpy, you know. That's
0: a great point, yeah. Time in the road, so. And then, um, you know, as you look at um, the equipment uh, manufacturers and you see, you know, one, uh, the warranties that they're given on the equipment so that maybe the resale value is higher in a worst case scenario. But also when you look at Planet Fitness as an example, you know, they've got a replenishment You know, every five years. They want you to replenish the equipment. I feel like the, the market for used equipment, if it gets cleaned up over time, like there should be a much higher resale value. I feel like a lot of guys... And gals drop, uh, you know, when they get new equipment into a location and refurb the place that they, you know, like they just get like 10 cents on the dollar, they've already paid off your lease. Right. But you know, they get 10 cents on a dollar and then basically someone comes and picks it up and then they put it on a shipping container and it goes, who knows where either South or East. Right. 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 Um, so, you know, as you look at the market and you, and you say, okay, there's, there's all this fitness equipment out there, you know, do you see these go. Do you see more equipment going into uh, hotels? Do you see uh, what, what? What other areas are you seeing people come to you and say, you know, I want a health club in my residential building. I want to basically take an office building. I want to turn this into, you know, a mini club. And is there a way for you to help connect some of the dots to say, look, maybe you don't want to buy this new equipment from? Pre-core, but I'll hook you up with this really good, you know, like, like a, a secondary
1: vendor. yeah, you know, like a
0: Mercedes, you know, pre-owned type right, of thing. Right. Like I feel like that hasn't really evolved yet, but I wonder if that's like another adjunct to your business that you get comfortable with.
1: I mean, it's uh, it's not something that we really manage uh, too frequently, but um, it is definitely. I don't wanna say a problem, but it's something that um, you know, when it comes time to refresh this equipment, uh it's kinda of like that question mark of like who, you know, who are we gonna uh, are we gonna sell this? Are we gonna donate this to charity? Are we going to and um you know, we were just talking about this the other day, Sal and I, and this could be a billion, billion dollar idea, but we wish it was like uh, maybe a product would be out there like a treadmill or a rower that would be, or, you know, uh, elliptical that would be um, like something like biodegradable, almost like you can just put it in, a, in a, um, like a machine and it could be recycled, um, you know, because I feel like there really is a problem. I feel like there are, there are these warehouses out there with all of this equipment and there's not enough places to put them. And if, if they're branded, you know, you're, by the time you strip down this equipment and, right. and so, you know, we would love to come up with a product that is, you know, biodegradable. Well, before, before
0: you come up with the product, we, we did yeah. a deal with the uh, FDNY. We did a, a, we call it the Halo Fitness Equipment, uh, FD, Halo FDNY Fitness Equipment Fund. So we've gotten about $300,000 of equipment That's donated awesome. to the fire stations. That's oh, okay. um, awesome. And, and they'll take it. That's you know? great. That's so, wonderful. I, I think. I think so more we should try and do that across clients, the country. Clients ask yeah. me,
1: um, especially when they're refreshing, they, they're like, "Ashley, what do I do with this?" And I, I'll make a couple of phone calls to secondary vendors, but that's yeah. really yeah, helpful. If, you could, if we
0: could hook up with that afterwards, yeah, well, that yeah, would be great. So a quick story, and just for the people on, on yeah, the on a call here like uh, cool. on the on the line here, yeah, you can get me on. I'm there. going
1: here. to try to do this without causing a collision. Oh, there you go. Hey, all
0: right. There you go, yes. that's right. Wasn't a call in live. Yes. There you go. Um, so the, the, um, what happened was we did this event at, uh, you can train like a firefighter for a day which was the most unbelievable experience and and humbling experience. Yeah. Um, And I have a whole new respect when I see a fire truck coming down, these guys coming out with like their pitchforks and their 80 pounds of gear. Yeah. And we went through the whole thing and then, uh, and we did it with some people in the halo sector and some crunch executives. And, um, and at the end, the the, the battalion chief said, Hey, I know you guys work in the health club industry. Can you get me some equipment for our stations? Because we don't, uh, it's not funded by the city. Wow. I'm like, oh, these guys, like, all they do. That's crazy. He's like, climb stairs every day. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, send me a list. So I'm thinking he's going to send me a list of, like, I don't know, like eight, 10 stamps. sends us a list of 373 <laughs> pieces of equipment. You asked for it. Yeah. Nice. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we did a, a, a drive where we had a number of health clubs and a number of studios uh, raise money for a day. And then we used that money to buy equipment. And then all these, these clubs donated a lot of their equipment. Nice. So that would be definitely a great venue if we could do that. And then it should we'll really be to proliferate that. like to fire departments, police stations, yes. so they can work out there. I think, so, think they could be a big venue there. Our dad's I think. actually
1: a volunteer firefighter. Oh, so really? we have Where, a little uh, you know connection. Uh, Freeport, New York. Oh, nice. Okay. Hose One, baby. Woo!
2: Pose one. Yeah, I think there's, ton, there's tons of equipment
0: out there, and um, there's no reason why something like that can't be put yeah, they together. Could take a, they could take a write-off, um, you know, and also exactly. use it for, uh, on the marketing Brilliant. side. So we'll, we'll stick know. up with you on, on that. For sure. So um, just in closing here, you know, what, what advice would you give to someone who is coming into the industry, you know, maybe they're coming from, you know— Banking background, consulting background. They woke up yesterday and they said, "Oh my god, like I, I hate my job, but I love going to the gym." And you know, I, I love going to the studio, and I need right. to turn my passion into a profession. So how would you say if I said, Hey, call Sal and Ashley before you do anything, you know, what would, what would that conversation be that I can like listen in on and like, uh, wiretap right now? Sure. Sure.
2: <laughs> I mean, uh, first thing is, uh, you know, do your homework in terms of what, what type of, uh, what type of studio or fitness center you, you'd like to, uh, uh, invest in. Uh, make sure you're well capitalized. Uh, ask a lot of questions and uh, figure out where you want to put it uh, geographically. See what kind of competition is there and, and what type of growth potential is there. And uh, also a- align yourself uh, with the right partners. It's most important to align yourself with the right franchise and, and the right partners that are that are growing and moving in the right direction. That's what I would say.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I would just say, um, you know, look at the industry and make sure that you're investing in a concept that has learned from the mistakes that have been made prior. Um, because I really think that if you look, you know, and you take the time number, I, I would say take time, don't rush into, don't feel, you know, bullied into signing franchise agreements or term sheets with lenders or, you know, really like this is something that you're putting your hard earned money in, right? I mean, people are liquidating their 401ks, yeah. they're, you know, taking home equity lines on their on their, their real estate. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, make sure that the the entity that you're investing in, whether it's a franchise or a mom and pop or, or whatever it is, um, hey, uh, <laughs> make sure that you, um, you're looking at a concept and, and, and knowing that they, you know, are um, not making the same mistakes that have been made before, whether it's from a technology standpoint, a marketing standpoint, um, and that's pretty much it.
0: That's great. Agreed. So, um, what's the best way to contact you for, uh, go to, uh, macro Base, Base, You guys got, so a, you, the got, the got, you know. guys got, <laughs> the doc, <laughs> yeah, you got the dot com address. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Religious. Religious. Com. Religious. Absolutely. Right. So we will, uh, we'll see you guys at URSA. We will uh, send people your way and vice awesome. versa. And let's get for the sure. used equipment to the FDNY. Yes, that's wonderful. And let's get the new equipment to people and get some more health clubs. And hopefully we get 50 million people working out instead of... I hope of, so. Absolutely. You hear that, Facebook? You know, we need of, everybody
1: on some 30, uh, equipment.
0: 50 to 60 yes. to 70. Yeah, baby. We, we thank Integrity
2: what? Square and Pete very much. Uh, you got it. And thank Dave so uh, for, for hooking us up here. Thanks Bye-bye. for coming on. It's exciting. Thank right, you. guys.